Morning, FC. How y'all doing? All right. Are you? Raise your hand if Thanksgiving. I'm a feel it's a little hot. I want to come up to about right here without hurting anybody. Thank you, guys. I appreciate our sound team in back. Can you give them a round of applause? We've got some very, very faithful workers. Man, week in, week out, make sure things go right around here. Uh, who is hosting Thanksgiving dinner? Raise your hand. I am expecting 27, count them, 27 bodies to fight over the turkey with. And uh, well, I suppose 26 plus me, so I, I guess I got a chance. All right, so that means the rest of you are going to, how many of you are hosting over 15 people? Raise your hand. Your host. Okay, it's going to be a food fest. I am so excited. And don't mess with the, uh, with the uh, green bean casserole. It is just fine as it is. People think you got to tweak stuff. No. Don't tweak it. Uh, Christmas family night, by the way, this comes because your pastor is a Christmas carol junkie, okay? I love Christmas music, and uh, I go crazy for it. I go gaga, uh, like cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. And so our worship leaders are under, like, strict orders, like they'll be shot after the service if they don't at least do one carol in the Sundays leading up to. So starting next Sunday, we'll start getting carols. And then on Christmas Eve, like, we can pull off maybe, like, four or five, and then it's like, ah. So... We are going to take an hour. We're going to sing Rudolph, Jingle Bells. We're going to sing Oh Holy Night. We're going to go crazy for an hour and see how many Christmas songs we can sing. We're going to eat, coco eat cookies, drink cocoa. I'll eat cocoa. I don't care. <laughs> I'm not looking back. But uh, we're going to have a ton of fun. And so if you guys could just uh, come out, we are just going to have a Christmas party for an hour and have some fun. So anyways, um, I want to start with a story this morning. Uh, not about cocoa, not about cookies, but we're going to go back to uh, the, the early parts of World War II, and uh, good old Nazi Germany is in process of taking over, trying to take over the world. The Dutch, the Netherlands, the nicest people on the planet, they're like, we want to stay out of this, and Germany says, no, we need you because you help us keep control, and plus we want to make sure we have all of your educated people to help us with our master plans. And, and they're working on this master race, and so they're taking over the country. And there's this little family hanging out, not actually a little family, a good-sized family, hanging out in the middle here, and they've already been taking care of people. They're a good Christian family, and their last name is the Tenboom family. And so maybe you've heard this story. If you've read the book Hiding Place, I have. It's a fantastic story. And so this family was already known for being do-gooders, if you will. Uh, they loved the Lord. And uh, they had uh, already a ministry, and they took care of um, uh, helping uh, mentally handicapped people and, and just people that had physical challenges, and they, they already were taking care of people. And then as soon as you were basically a bad person just for being of Jewish descent, and one of their ways of weeding these people out was that they decided that they couldn't eat. And so you only got food ration cards if you were non-Jewish. Isn't that nice? And so there's a food shortage. Everybody's got to turn in these vouchers to get their food. And so one way of weeding out the unwanted was that anybody that didn't fit into their idea of what people should be were not given food vouchers. And so this young woman named Corey Tenboom, she begins to work all of her relationships and begins to find food vouchers and, and begin to feed these people behind the scenes. And then their house begins, becomes part of an underground railroad, if you will. 
in this part of history. And, and they're basically moving Jewish people and other people that were against Nazi Germany through. And they actually had an architect come in. And the reason why the book is called The Hiding Places because they did a false wall in actually Corey Ten Boom's bedroom and blocked off this section that could hold six people wedged in. And so many times they would have people in there. And it's, it's, it's uh, figured out that they were a part of a network that helped eight hundred lives be spared during World War II. They would actually be um, ratted out by somebody awesome, and, uh, and here comes the police, and, and they would all be arrested, their family. Um, so everybody in the house was cleaned out, and, and Corey Ten Boom sent to a uh, first of a few concentration camps that she would go to, and she receives a letter written in code because her family made watches, and it said, all of the watches in the cabinet are safe. Translation, all six of the people that were not good enough to be treated as human by the reigning government, that were hiding in a hidden room in her bedroom, were not found when the, when the stormtroopers came through their house. And those six people made it onto safety, even though Corey Ten Boom and her family would spend all spend time in jail, her father would die in prison, she would eventually end up being released by a clerical error days or weeks before her unit were heading to the gas chamber, and upon back in her house, was she afraid? No, she went right back to feeding the mentally disabled. We're in a series, and we're actually closing it today, called Heroes. And the O in the hero is a zero on purpose. And it's because I have seen throughout my limited experience, uh, my own testimony and, and countless people that I have uh, ministered to and walked alongside with is that so many people that love the Lord do not feel like they are capable of playing a significant role of God's story. And so we see ourselves as zeros and yet God comes along and he taps each one of us at different times through our life. We're not the main character but we get to be the supporting cast of the story and I think that is an amazing amazing blessing that he wants us to be a part of it and so he moves us through our lives and 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 so much of them seems like just maybe the mundane that the grind of, of of paying the bills the grind of going to work but but if we're not careful we can miss the opportunities to take um, to take our place in the story and so many times there's somebody that's, that's at work that we're supposed to minister to. There's somebody at, at school that we're supposed to invite to sit at our table. There's, there's somebody that lives next door to us that's going through a hard time. There's, there's, there's so many opportunities for us to step up and play a significant role in God's story, and yet we feel inadequate. And so this, this series is all about stories of God using the unqualified. We talked about Gideon, who was just afraid. And for good reason. He's like, this is a good way to die. Like, he wasn't, I think, just a coward. He was like, like using good common sense. Like, this, is, this seems like a foolish proposition. But he was afraid. We talked about Samson and with his, uh, with his addictions and past failures. And, and, and why would God tap a guy like Samson on the shoulder and say, I need you to lead my people? A people that were, were supposed to be known for holiness. And this guy had all kinds of struggles with, with, uh, with, it, with, uh, with ladies and, and with, uh, with his temper. And, and it would constantly get the best of him. And God, God continued to use him. 
What about the young? The younglings? The Padawans? I love the five of you that laughed. Thank you. If you are watching The Mandalorian, I would be happy to discuss it after the service. It is by far the best show I've ever seen on television. Let's keep moving. It's a Star Wars thing for those of you that should go to other churches. It's okay. I am so thankful that I grew up into a, that in a church that didn't say, oh, no, you gotta, you're just not quite old enough to make a difference for the kingdom of God. No, no, you're, you're just not able to be used yet. No, I had leaders over uh, in the church I grew up with that, that said, I see something in you, and I'm going to give you something to do right now, whether you want to or not. But I see leadership in you. I see the ability to teach God's word in you. And I had, I had a youth pastor that, that gave me opportunities to preach as a teenager. And so we talked about David. David was the youngest of, of all of his brothers, and yet God said, this is the one. And because of his time doing simple things like taking care of the sheep, he knew exactly how to take care of God's people. There was an insult there for those of you that get it. Um, yeah. What about someone coming in from the outside? A big reason for this church existing in a, in a city full of great churches was I believe that God needed one more outpost for those that maybe had been away from God or had never known God in their lives to find a relationship with him. And so I can understand because I've been in situations where I've been the outsider, where I'm coming into a new group of people, I'm coming into a new context of things, and, and that feeling of, oh my gosh, I need to just sit back and keep my mouth shut, learn the ropes before I even try to engage. Can I tell you that you're in a place here, and I believe that the kingdom of God, when you come and claim him as Lord, and even for those of you that are just figuring out who God is and, 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 and what your faith journey is even looking like, I think there's a place for you to begin serving him right now. And if you've come in from the outside and you're like, I'm not sure I fit in around here, I really am so thankful that you are here and I want you involved because God wants to use your story to help other people find him. And I'm so thankful that God uses the fearful. He uses those with, with past that we're not proud of or, or God uses the young and the inexperienced and that God uses the outsiders as heroes in his story. Today, how... Does God make ordinary people into heroes? And this is why we're finishing with this, is because why does it seem like everyone else is better qualified? That's what we do. We look at other people like, well, if I, you know, I could give more if I made more. If I had, if I had that person's good looks, you know, then maybe, you know, I, if I had that person's resources, if I had that person's skill sets, if I had that person's voice, if I had that person's, you see what we do? We're like, oh, of course God can use them. They've never, you know, they haven't, they don't have the experiences I have or, or they're, why does everybody else seem to be a little more extraordinary than us? And so we look in the mirror and, and, and we look at God and we're like, God, do you, do you see what I see? The short answer is he doesn't. Why does it seem like God, like, like everyone else is better qualified? God is still looking for heroes. How do we go from zero to hero when we are quite certain that we are just 
ordinary. God, how can you use me to plant a church? I, I'm, you know, you sure about this, you know? God, are you sure you want me to reach out to my neighbors? Because I'm, they've heard me cuss out the dog. Like, I, they, they might not be so certain about me. Like, that's a true story. Um, do you see, this is what God, he sees this in us. And so we tell God, we're like, that's way out of my league. God tells us today, he said, it's my league. And we're programmed. We grow up through the ranks. And, and, and I know what it's like to not be picked first for teams. And I don't know if I know what it's like to be picked last, but I'm sure I've been close. And, and we know what it's like. And we know that, that it's all about having certain qualifications to get certain jobs. And, and the job market gets tougher. I mean, if you want to be a teacher in Pickerington schools these days, oh my gosh, you've got to the bar just keeps going up higher, and so we're used to this. We know what the standard is, and we know what it takes to get to certain places. And so why wouldn't that same set of rules apply to us being used in God's story? And God wants you to know it doesn't work that way today. Nothing is impossible for us if God is in it. And I love a verse in Acts 17.26. It basically says that God determines our place in his story. And I've talked with adults and young people over the years that are quite certain that they're not where they should be. If I was, you know, oh man, it would have been great to have been born at this time, or if I would have been born with, into this family, or if, if this hadn't happened to me, or, you know, just the, the list of disqualifiers, basically. Most of us, if not all of the adults in this room, we've had to fill out a resume, those are fun at some point, where we're trying to make our qualifications sound as good as possible, right? Like, I, I'm good at yelling at the dogs. So it's like, let's see, I'm a good communicator. Uh, you know, so it's like, I work well with others. Like, you know, that means I like to play poker. Like, you know, like th these are things like, how can I make what I like to do sound good, right? But how come anytime God taps us on the shoulders, we give him a resume of why we can't do it? Or we might be like, God, I, I'm, they would be a better fit, right? We're a little early just like those of you that maybe have put up your Christmas tree yet, but God bless you, I appreciate the Christmas spirit. We're a little early today, but I'm going to talk about Mary today, if that's okay, as in the mother Mary of Jesus. Let's go to Luke 1. These are familiar verses, but I still want to read them straight out of here. Luke 1, 26 through 38. Because it ends this series, and I think it, it tees us up for the, the, the Christmas series called Give, and it's all about what God would have us give this season. Uh, hopefully you can join us for our Christmas series. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. 
You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. Wow. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month, for the word of God will never fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. How do we go from zero to hero in our ordinary, everyday lives? Number one is be available. It is not Mary's piety, holiness. It's not her beauty or her worthiness, but simply God's favor that seems to have invited this decision for her to be used. And, and on the surface, that looks like, well, duh. God, I, I don't think I'm worthy, so there's, there's a reason why you shouldn't use me for this. And of course, this seems to feed into our understanding of qualifications and that you need to be in a certain place for God to use you for certain things. And I want to unpack this and show you that there is some truth to that. But one thing that I want us to see is that Mary is not, um, Mary on her own is not extraordinary. And, and there's, some, there's, there's teachings across the board on this throughout the Christian church that, that take Mary to almost equal to God and, and equal to Christ in the story of Jesus coming to earth. And then there's stories that just say, well, uh, she was just, she was just the, 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 the one in the moment. I think it's somewhere in between. And, and so when we look at this, it says, it says, Gabriel says in verse 28, it says, you who are highly favored. Now, what does favored mean? Now, I know what it means to have a favorite of something, like my favorite team won again yesterday, right? It's always good for an amen. Uh, we're not talking about favorite. And, and I think this is, this is key here. What are the things you favor in your life? These are the things that you lean to and go to. So when you have uh, relationships or, or, or different things going on with different people or different situations, when something is going well, then you tend to favor that. If, if one of your legs is hurting, then you favor the other one because it's working normally today, right? Or, or you, you favor different things. And so we're not talking about picking favorites because I don't believe God does that. But I do believe that Mary was in a place where God was able to favor where she was at. Let, let, me, let me try to make some sense of this. I'm going to read from Isaiah 66 real quick. Just the first few verses, it says this. It says, this is what the Lord says. Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Could you build me a temple as good as that? Could you build me such a resting place? My hands have made both heaven and earth. They and everything in them are mine. I, the Lord, have spoken. I will bless those who have humble and contrite hearts and tremble who tremble at my word. 
But those who choose their own ways, delighting, delighting in their detestable sins, will not have their offerings accepted. I think this gives us a little window into what does it mean for God to favor a person. We cannot impress God with the things that we do or try to create for Him. Even King Solomon, who would have been the, the, the leading uh, responsible party for creating the, the, the temple, which would have just had to have been gorgeous, like phenomenal. Like it would have been the wonder of the world in its day, in its beauty. And God in this verse so eloquently says, um, like, the earth is my ottoman. Like, I put my foot on the planet. I created, ta-da, everything. That doesn't impress me. That will never move me. That will not bring my favor on its own. You can't write a check big enough to impress God. You can't serve enough down in kids' ministry, although we would love to see you try. Those are not the things that move the heart of God. What does it say? It says, those who have humble and contrite hearts who tremble at my word. And so if you look back at this call onto Mary's life, and Gabriel approaches her and says, you who are highly favored, what does Mary's life look like? I believe she lived in a pretty special manner, actually. I don't believe she was holy, like Jesus the baby, the, uh, the Son of God was holy. I don't believe like to that degree. But she was living in a way that set her up for God to, like there, this was still done out of basically an honor of how she was living. Like I can use you for this very special role because of how you are living for me. So I think she would have been a pretty spectacular person. And I think even our story of Corey Timboom would give us a window into somebody that could maybe be so generous or kind or just endlessly faithful to, to take care of other people regardless of the circumstances. And we see that in Mary's response. We cannot impress God. So what invites His favor? Our availability. Humble and contrite hearts. I am nothing like Mary. Yes and no. I believe we were a lot like her and that she was a human being 100%. No deity. That's, I just can't explain that any clearer. So that, there's, there's, she was another person. Yes, we have that in common with her. What do we not have as in common with her is that she was set apart for God to use. So ordinary, yes, we're the same. Available? Maybe not so much. Right? I'm pretty sure that God tapped somebody for this role that he knew was going to say yes. Like, I see how this person's living, and I, I think they're going to be up for it. She would have had a choice. 
So available, we can be. Mary was available for God to use her. We actually have to set ourselves apart for God to use. And so the word holiness has, has little to do with acting better than other people and certainly not thinking you're better than other people. What is holiness? Holiness is when any time I take a part of my life and I say, God, have your way with this part of my life. I can do it with my finances. I can do it with my calendar. I can do it with my family. I can do it with my plans. Anytime I say, God, it's yours, I am telling him that that's his. And in effect, making it holy. If God's first then he begins to have a place where he can use my life. And so Mary has set herself up for that. Holiness is set apart. Number one is to be available. Number two is to be obedient. This is the catch <laughs> that's so challenging for us. But Mary's response in verse 38 is just one of the, is just one of the most beautiful responses you could ever make to the Lord it says, Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And we know this context. Like, this is, this is, a, this is a familiar story. We know that her and Joseph were not married yet. We know that in this context of this culture, that, that to be pregnant before married would have, um, it was a death penalty in, in like, literally, and in, uh, in other ways, like uh, as far as uh, society would have treated her, she was uh, allowing God to use her in a way that would cause her every possible level of discomfort. Not to mention just the pregnancy, right? I hear that's really easy. Like, you, it, it's awesome. Um, you get to send your husband out for like cheeseburgers and stuff, and that was, one, that was baby number one. Uh, and so I'm getting in trouble for that one. But just the pregnancy is difficult. And yet every aspect of this story, and, and here's the other thing I love about this conversation that she has. She's like, how can this happen? Do you hear doubt? Or do you just hear wonder? I think there's a difference there. Like when, when God says he wants to do something, I have honestly said to him many times, how? Like, that sounds good, but how? How are we going to do this, God? But there's a difference. Sometimes when God has, has, has knocked on people's doors, um, including the, the other baby that's mentioned in the story is, is her cousin, and, and when, when the father of that child finds out that there's a baby coming, he, he does not believe it's possible. And, and, and God actually is like, he actually takes away his voice because of his lack of faith. I don't hear a lack of faith in Mary's response. She's just like, curious? Um, I, this, this sounds really interesting. This is going to cost me something. This is going to cost me everything. And yet, every Jewish young lady at this time would have considered it an honor to have the next, the, to have the promised Savior. 
like on, on their understanding. Like that was the hope. And so to be barren, to not be able to have children, was actually considered a curse in this understanding because then there was no way possible that you could be the mother of the forthcoming Savior. And so it was a desire of every young woman that God would tap them on the shoulder to be the mother of the Messiah. But not like this. This sounds unusual. And so number one is to be available. Number two is to be obedient. And Mary says, I am the Lord's servant. I don't think I've ever prayed this prayer where she says, may everything you have said come true. Arms wide open. God, it's yours. It's your story. I'm ready to take a role. The only thing ordinary about your life is how little you let God use it. Let me say that again. That's really good. I stole it from somebody else, and I want you to all steal it from me today. The only thing ordinary about your life is how little you let God use it. And I want to encourage you today is that he already is using it. And, and, and he, but he wants it to be, he wants it to increase. Every time, uh, the Bible says, how, how do we do things in his name? Every time we, we extend a hand of kindness, every time we share the love of Jesus, every time we, we love people, we are doing this. But I believe that's just on the surface. And I believe that the more we say yes to God, then the more extraordinary our lives can be without trying to be a hero. I don't believe that Corey Tenboom and her family were trying to be heroes. They were living their life. They did not ask for their country to be occupied by an enemy nation. But they loved the Lord and they just simply responded in ways that they thought that he would want them to. Yes, you can stay in our house. Of course you can stay in our house. You need food. We're going to get you food. You need to get moved to another safe place. We're going to get you moved to another. These were, do you hear, I want to be a hero? I want to be a hero? I want to be a hero? No. It's, it's response after response of, of the situation that's before you and God, what do you want me to do in this situation? And then she lands in a concentration camp. God uses her. They have devotionals every day in the concentration camp. Like this is a hero. And yet it only happened because decision after decision of somebody that just says, I'm going to do what God would have me do in this moment. So the only way our lives go from ordinary to extraordinary is when we allow God to use them. God is faithful and he has called you and he has gifted you. And get this, we can't forget that of course he wants to bless us but He wants to bless us in the process of, of while we're serving Him. I'm thankful for the nice things in my life. I, I, 
I'm, I have, I'm blessed. Like, there's things that I would consider blessings of the Lord. But the most favorite times of my life, I can honestly tell you, like, where I have been the most satisfied, like, in my soul has been on, like, mission trips or has been after walking out of a house where I've just met with a family who's um, getting, a, basically, a, a loved one has passed. And, like, you, and, and you've watched God just, like, use you in the moment. And it's like, oh, my gosh, that's blessed. Is, is every time I'm a part of his story. It, it, it blows the doors off of any physical thing that, that I would enjoy on this, on this earth. I'm thankful for him. But when I look at, and I also look at those same times where God has used me, those are also the times where I grew. Right? So I'm not going to grow on the sidelines. I'm not going to grow when I'm just looking and enjoying the things that God has done for my life. And I, and I think it's great to be in a place of gratitude. But if I forget to say yes to him the next time, then, then I'm choosing at that moment to park and say, this is, I'm good. I've served enough. I've done enough. And I don't think it's a matter of trying to achieve something or, or like there's some box that I've got to keep checking off. No, it, it's a different thing. It's, it's God, I want to continue to be a part of your story. And so we look back through this and we see that God has been faithful and he's always been faithful. Every time I've stepped out for him, the roads come up to meet me. And I've, I've taken hits for different things. I've, I've you know, the, it's not like these things are painless. But I've watched God move in response to, to everything we've, we've said yes to. And if you look back in your own life and you think about the times where you said yes to Him, what was the result? Maybe some discomfort. Usually some discomfort. But was there joy? Was there growth? Was there the fruit of being a part of his story in somebody else's life? I mean, I'm standing up here because thousands of other people said yes to God. Right? How many Sunday school teachers did I have? How many people were, were kind to me? How many, you know, how many people, you know, moved me along the right way, called me out of my junk, challenged me, gave me opportunities? It's endless. And we have that opportunity in other people's life. So Mary responds. She says, I'm the Lord's servant. And so she says, yes. As we close the series, hero with a zero. God is still using the unqualified. And He wants to use each of you. There's no time limit we don't expire as far as our ability to be used might be in different ways i think there's we uh like i said somebody that's new in their faith they are some of the best people to tell other people about jesus and i, I shared this that week is that most of the people that invite people to church are like somebody newer to the faith invites more people to church than people have been around for a while that's that's a nice way to say that we get soft right we, we think, oh, well, I, I've just got to arrive. Or I can't teach those, I can't teach the elementary school kids. I, I don't know my, you know, I don't know my Bethlehem from Judea. Like, I, you know, 
Like, I, I don't know my, my Joshua from my David. I don't know those stories. What do kids need? The curriculum will help you out with those things. They need to see somebody that has said yes to Jesus. They need to see somebody that's lived a real life. And they need to somebody that's going to love them and help them learn. And if you're learning with them, tell them. Say, this story's new to me today. I, this is, I've, I've really enjoyed reading it and getting ready for it this Sunday morning. And, and I think you guys are going to like it. That's okay. Or ask somebody else who might know the story. I think that's a beautiful part about God's kingdom is that we don't have to, uh, we don't have to wait to be used. And, and, and so as we're finishing, I don't know where you're at this morning. Is fear keeping you on the sideline? Are past failures keeping you on the sideline? Is your inexperience or your age? Maybe you feel like an outsider. Maybe, like our topic this morning, you just feel anything but extraordinary and that there's no way God could use you where you're at this morning. How do we go from zero to hero? Can we pray this morning? God, I thank you for this group of people. God, I thank you for the Christmas season that is, that is here. God, I thank you for a, a season where, where your name is said a thousand times a day, whether people realize it or not. God, as we celebrate one of the most extraordinary events of history where you came on a rescue mission for us. God, some of us in this room don't feel like we can be a part of your story. Two things take our lives from ordinary to extraordinary. Availability and obedience. What's keeping you this morning? I'm too sick. I'm too young. I'm too broke. I'm too busy. I'm too messed up. I just got here. What's keeping you from saying yes to God today? What's keeping you from taking a bigger role in his story? God would tell you that he loves you today. If you've come to him for forgiveness, then your sins are forgiven. If you're walking through something, then God says he'll walk through it with you. There could be some things that you're going with that might keep you from working in different areas. That's okay, but it doesn't keep you on the bench. It doesn't keep you from holding open a door on Sunday morning and, 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 and loving people as they're coming into church. It doesn't, it doesn't keep you from buying somebody a cup of coffee in Jesus' name at work. 
It doesn't keep you from visiting somebody in, 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 a, in a hospital or, or a friend who's in trouble. It doesn't keep you from that. If you're willing to be available and obedient to God, would you respond to him this morning? Would you just simply raise a hand up to him? Just tell him you're available. Just like as you're growing up, pick me, pick me. Is that you? You ready for him to use you? God qualifies the called. We make ourselves available to him. And then when he asks us to do something, we can be like Mary and say, how? As long as we're just like Mary and we say, yes. Let it happen exactly how you want it to. Let your will be done in my life. Father God, receive these acts of surrender this morning. God, I thank you that you would use this church in this Christmas season. God, I thank you that we have something to share. God, we have a gift of hope to give to the world. God, I thank you that each of us has a story. God, I thank you for the past that some of us are so embarrassed of. God, I thank you that you have a redemption that story that you have for every one of our past. And God, that you want to use that story to minister to other people in our path. God, I thank you that as we come across the stranger, as we come across the widow, as we come across the sick, God, as we come across those that maybe have been rejected like others, God, would we respond to them this Christmas season? God, would we love them in the fullness of your love? God, would we take ourselves off the bench? Would we make ourselves available to you? Would we treat people with care, God? Would we love them in your name? Would we share hope? Would we share Jesus? Would we share salvation, God? God, I thank you that we get to be a part of your story. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and close and worship this morning. We have people up front here that want to pray with you. If you've got something going on in your life, an illness, something going on at work, something going on with somebody that you care about, come and talk to somebody this morning. We want to pray with you. God,